Oh, I love that last thing that Eddie said there, that there's so many opportunities, you just have to get out there and try something. That's so good, that's so good. Well, how are you doing this morning? All's well? Good, I'm honored to be able to take today and share with you uh, as we're wrapping up our series that we've been in over the last several weeks called Go, where we've been exploring the Great Commission. We've been looking at the call of God to take the message of God into all the world. And, and uh, I'm excited today to, to share this with you and just to kind of recap where we've been over the last several weeks. In week one of the series, we talked about the mission of God in this world. We used the phrase missio dei, God's mission to restore people to himself and to right relationship with him. And there was something, uh, I don't know if you were here for that weekend, but for me that stuck out that weekend, just hearing what the motivation for God, for the mission that he has in this world, being his great love for us. It's not his wrath, it's not his anger that fuels God's mission and his desire, it's his love and his desire for relationship with you and me. And so that was week one. Week two, we talked about the, the kingdom of God. We talked about the importance of knowing what kingdom do you belong to. Which kingdom do we belong to? Do we belong to the world's kingdom? Do we belong to God's kingdom? Because the truth is, whichever kingdom we belong to really determines our values and our priorities in life, and ultimately it determines our destiny. And then in week three, we talked about the church. We talked about the church around the world. We talked about this uh, incredible uh, organization, this huge, complicated, not perfect at all, but incredibly powerful and influential force for good in the world, the church. Last week, we explored where each one of us can fit into the call of God to go and to spread the gospel all over the world into every nation. That's really the heart of everything we've been talking about, the Great Commission. It's our mission as followers of Jesus. And so that brings us to today where I am really excited uh, to, to talk with you and to share my heart about where I believe that we fit into God's plan, not just as individuals, but where we fit as us, as this church, this local church, this church that God has put here in this community, and all of us together, what can we do to reach those that are around us? Because really the whole point of this series hasn't been to talk about making a difference. The, the whole point of this series hasn't been for us to think about going. I mean, come on, if we get to the end of the series and we look back and at the end of it we say, gosh, that... That Go series really made me think. Oh, come on, that's lame, right? I think we've missed it if that's the extent of what happens from this series. No, when I, as we reach the end of this series, I want to look back and I want us to say, wow, that, that Go series was a game changer. It changed everything. It was a, a call to love and it was a call to action. And so I've set a really big goal for myself today. Can I share it with you? Here's my goal for today. My goal today is that every single person that's here, both in the first service and in this service, every single person that is here today will be motivated when they leave here today to do something to follow God's call to go. You with me? That's my goal. That everybody here will be motivated to do something to follow God's call to go. And, and, and let me be clear up front, I, when I say motivated, I, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty. How many of you know we all got enough guilt in our lives without your pastor standing up here trying to make you feel guilty this morning, right? It's not about feeling guilty. Guilty is a terrible motivator. 
When you do something because you should do it, you're not gonna do it for very long because it's a terrible, terrible motivator. I mean, that's like having to tell your, your brother or sister sorry when you were a kid when you know full well that you weren't sorry, right? <laughs> Come on, you know what I'm talking about. No, it, this isn't about guilt. It's not about pressure. It's not about manipulation. Actually, I want us to be motivated today by something else entirely. There's, there's really three things that I want to motivate us today, and the first is love. I want you and I to be motivated by love. I want us to recognize the incredible love that God has for us. And because he loved us, we then can turn around and love the world around us. I want us to also be motivated by a sense of calling today. You see, you and I have a calling from God. You and I have been given a great responsibility to bring the love of Jesus to this world. And I also want us to be, I also want us to be motivated by this. I want you and I to be motivated today by a strong belief that we can make a difference in this world. We can make a difference. You and I, we can make a difference in this world. I want to be motivated by love, by calling, and by belief that we can make a difference today. So last week, uh, we challenged you with this question. Would you be willing to give one year of your life and to pray about giving a lifetime to serve God overseas as a missionary? And I know that there are some in this room who have taken that to heart and they're asking that question and they're seriously praying about it. And I'm grateful for that. But today I want to uh, present you with a question that I think is an even more compelling question for you and I today. And the question that I want to present to you today is this. What can you do and what can we do as a church to practically live out the calling that God has given us to go? What can we do to, in a practical way, live out the calling that God has given each one of us to go? Because here's the reality today. God has called some to change the world for others in other places, but God has called all of us to change the world here. God will send some to other places to change the world where others live. But God has called each and every one of us as his followers to change and make a difference for him right here. So several weeks ago, our lead pastor uh, shared in a vision message at the beginning of the year, laying out vision for this year, uh, he shared this incredible phrase, love does. Do you remember that? Love does. And he challenged us to be people who see the needs in our community. He challenged us to be people who hear what people in our community are saying, to feel the burden of those who are far from God. And then he challenged us even further to do this. He challenged us to do something about it, to take action, to do something about it. Because listen, we can talk about vision, we can, we can talk about serving, and we can talk about doing but if we don't combine all that talk with actually putting on our work boots or pulling on our work gloves and getting out there and serving and doing something and making what we have been talking about action, then really we'd have no hope of in a practical way sharing the love that Jesus wants us to share. And as Christians, isn't Jesus our example anyway? Jesus is our ultimate example in everything. Jesus, when he came to earth, that was in and of itself an incredible act of love towards us. When, when uh, Jesus healed the sick, it was an act of love. 
When Jesus fed the 5,000, he was an act of love. When Jesus turned water into wine, it was an act of love. Everything that Jesus did was an act of love for us. Jesus dying on the cross was an act of love for you and for me. Jesus didn't show up and just talk about love. Oh, he did talk about it. But Jesus' version of love was a love that was a doing kind of love. His love was shown in his actions, and isn't that really the only kind of love that matters? I mean, how many of us in our relationships would be satisfied if your significant other said the words, I love you, but then never followed it up with any action? Or worse yet, what if, what if they profess their love for you, but then lived their life like you didn't exist? None of us would be satisfied. None of us would be happy in that situation, would we? None of us would. The Bible tells us that, that in James, the book of James that faith without deeds is dead. And I believe that in the same way faith without deeds is dead, love without action is as good as dead. Love without action is as good as dead. And that's not the love that Jesus modeled for us. That's not the kind of love that Jesus taught us to live out. Jesus taught us to live a love that showed itself in action. In fact, the Bible in Luke chapter 10, Jesus was confronted with these same questions and he tells this incredible story in Luke chapter 10 that illustrates this perfectly. And I wanna read this story and maybe you've heard it or maybe it's new to you. But it says in Luke chapter 10, it says, one day an expert in religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question. Teacher, what should I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him, do this and you will live. The man wanted to justify his actions, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So Jesus replied with a story. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho. He was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, and when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. A temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. And then he put the man on his own donkey, and he took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day, he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man. And if his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Now, which of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was, was attacked by bandits? The man replied, the one who showed him mercy. And then Jesus said, yes, now go and do the same. What a story. What an incredible story. I can't, I can't read that story without thinking about our, our global trip to... Um, Cambodia last year because we used this story uh, as a part of the, the, the teaching that we did to help teach hundreds and hundreds of Cambodian kids about the love of Jesus. And, and, and it was kind of fun because we didn't just tell the story, we actually acted it out. 
I mean, we, we did. We were, we were incredible. Were we? We were incredible. We acted it out. And I, it was super fun. Well, it was fun for me because I was the narrator. It probably wasn't quite as fun for the one who got beat up each time we did it. Or maybe not quite as fun for the one who was the donkey every time <laughs> we did it. See, you could go on a global team and not only, not only would you uh, be able to serve God, you'd also get acting lessons. But this story... Uh, it starts with this religious person trying to test Jesus with this question. What do I have to do to inherit eternal life? I mean, just think of that question, even in and of itself, that question is so self-centered. But Jesus responded to his question with another question. What do you think? And the guy gives the right answer. He says, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus said, that's right, now go do that. And the irony of that is Jesus knew full well that he couldn't do that. In fact, none of us can do that. In our own strength, none of us can love God fully with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And then look at somebody else, another flawed human being, and love them with the same capacity that we love and take care of ourselves. I mean, that commandment that Jesus said, that right there would have been enough for me to fall down on my knees and say, Lord, have mercy, I can't do it. But this guy, he just kept pressing and doing, going further and further, and he asked another question which really I think goes to show us his true motives. It says he was trying to justify his own actions or maybe he was trying to justify his inaction. But he asked, who's my neighbor? And I'd like to give him the benefit of a doubt. I'd like to, to say maybe he was just trying to figure it out. But in reality, I think he was saying, well, just tell me how far I have to go just to, to, to be okay. And that's human nature, isn't it? Isn't that, isn't that human nature? Just tell me how much I need to do to get by. But Jesus, in this moment, man, Jesus blew his idea of who his neighbor was right out of the water. If we're going to truly love God and love the people that Jesus loves, we first need to recognize that it starts in our heart. We need to recognize that, that it's a heart issue. And if we're going to love like Jesus loved, we need to ask him to give us a heart of compassion if you find yourself having a hard time loving those around you, if you find yourself not seeing the need or not hearing the need, not feeling the burden of those around you, let me just challenge you, get on your face before God. Get alone with God and ask God to do a deep work in your heart because God is the only one that can change our hearts. God is the only one that can get in there and remove a hard heart a heart that doesn't feel and, and put in there a heart of compassion and love. A heart that reflects his character, not your broken, sinful nature. And then when you get alone with God, open your Bible and begin to ask God to reveal his love and his compassion for humanity. And then let the Holy Spirit begin to teach you these truths and begin to open you up to the truth of God's great love and his compassion for people. Only God can do this. Only God. And here's how you're going to know when God is at work. When, when we stop asking the question, well, how little do I have to do to get by? And you start asking the questions, how can I love my neighbor more? How can I point somebody to Jesus? How can I show them God's love? What can I do to help somebody else find the peace and the love that only comes from a relationship with God? Loving and serving those around us starts with our heart. 
But the story goes deeper, and instead of justifying himself, our questioner, uh, he really found out that his idea of uh, who his neighbor was wasn't who he thought it was. And I think that you and I may also need to redefine a little bit who our neighbor is. You see, this word that's translated neighbor, it often refers to, in the scriptures, uh, uh, someone from the same country or the tribe or even the same family. I mean, think about somebody who's, who's closely connected with you. But Jesus just blows this man's thinking up by using this example that really was beyond ridiculous. It was almost, it was probably offensive to the Jewish ears that were listening to him at that moment. Because by making the Samaritan essentially the hero of this story, Jesus took the person who would have been the most despised, uh, the most looked down on individual in the story, and said, that's the one whose example you should follow. I mean, with this example, Jesus cuts right to the heart of it. It would be like this. Are you ready? This is how we can understand this. It would be like a Packer fan helping a Vikings fan after a post-game brawl. Let that sink in. If you think about this, this divide between the Samaritans and the Jews at the time, it has that, that bad blood has its same roots in what right now is the current conflict between Israel and Palestine. That's the extent of the divide. That's what Jesus was saying here. Jesus was rocking their world with this statement. But let me ask us today, who is our neighbor? Who is your neighbor? I'm not talking about the person that lives next door to you. Maybe our neighbor could be somebody who lives in this community because they have a family member that's incarcerated in the state prison. How are we gonna reach out to them? Maybe your neighbor is a Somalian refugee who moved to this city because they were escaping the war in their own country. Who is our neighbor? Maybe your neighbor is a college student, maybe at Carleton or St. Olaf. Maybe your neighbor is a college student who you think just wants to party, but really just needs somebody to speak direction into her life. Who is your neighbor? Maybe your neighbor is that girl at school who seems to be a loner, but really is just trying to hide the brokenness of her home and just thinks it's easier to stay in the shadows. Who is your neighbor? Maybe it's the guy at work that everyone knows, including himself, has a drinking problem. And maybe they'd come to recovery if someone would invite them and come with them. Who is your neighbor? It's not a simple question. It's not an easy question, but it's an important question. Who is your neighbor? In essence, this is what I think Jesus was saying. You want to know who your neighbor is? Here's your neighbor. Anybody you come across that needs help, whether you want to help them or not, that's what Jesus was saying. Anyone you come across that needs help, whether you want to help them or not, that is your neighbor. I thought it might be quiet in here when I said that. Remember, church, this isn't about guilt. 
I'm not trying to make you feel guilty, but I want you to recognize and understand the calling that God has given us, the incredible weight and the responsibility that God has given us to be his ambassadors in this world, to share the love that we have found with those around us. And church, listen, no Christ follower and no church for that matter that is on mission with God can in good conscience walk by and do nothing as the world lays half dead on the side of the road. We can't, as followers of Christ, ignore the needs around us. Not when we've truly recognized the gift that we've received in God. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9. It says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. That not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. We love that verse. We are grateful for that verse. We're thankful for God's grace. But verse 10 goes on to say this, for we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Listen, we are, we are saved through grace, but we are created for good works. We're saved through grace. We're created through good, for good works. Good works don't get us into heaven, but good works are what we are meant to do on this earth. John chapter 9 says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, Jesus said this, I am the light of the world. But listen to what Jesus also said in Matthew chapter 5, verse 14. He said, you are the light of the world. Catch that? Me in you, you are now the light of the world. You are the light of the world. A, so a town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. We are meant for good works. So what works? What are we supposed to do? What are the good works that we are meant to do? I believe that's a simple answer. Anything good that points people to Jesus. <laughs> that's what God is calling us to do. Anything good that points people to Jesus. There's this incredible progression. Love was shown by God in sending his son Jesus. And love was shown by Jesus in dying on the cross. But now love needs to be shown by you and me so that we can point people back to Jesus. Never forget, everything we do is to point people back to Jesus. Jesus alone is the one who saves. And when we are serving others, when we are reaching out to others, we are representing the one who said, I didn't come into this world to be served, I came to serve. What's our job? Church, our job is to love and to serve so others see Jesus. And so what does that look like? What does it look like for you and me when we walk out of this building today? Like in a practical sense, what does it look like for us to live this out? There was a great phrase from our video at the beginning of this message. Kate Cornier said, when you are looking for opportunities to share God's love and share God's word, God will give you those opportunities. <laughs> that is so true. In fact, that's exactly what Jesus was teaching in John chapter five when he said these words, my father is always at his work. To this very day, 
and I too am working. Did you see that? My father is always working and I too am working. Jesus said, truly I tell you, the son can do nothing by himself. He can do only what he sees his father doing because whatever the father does, the son does also. And Jesus is our example, right? Jesus is our example. And so here's what we need to do. We need to look for where God is at work. Look for where God is at work. And when we see God at work somewhere, you know what we get to do? We get to join in and work with him. It's that easy. Look for where God is at work and then we'll step in and work with him. Let me tell you someplace God is working. God is working in our church. God is working in our church. People are coming to church. People are finding faith in Jesus. People are being saved and set free in our church. I don't know if that excites you, but that, ex- that excites me. I am so excited that God is at work in our church. And there's places where you can step in and work with what God is doing in our church. You can join a life team. If you haven't joined a life team yet, what are you waiting for? <laughs> what are you waiting for? I mean, there's so many opportunities for you to serve in this church. Maybe you could join the tech team. We got a great group of guys that serve, volunteer in our tech, in our tech team. I mean, check this out. They serve knowing that just about every week someone's going to say, hey, the music was too loud. But then somebody else is going to come and say, hey, the music wasn't loud enough. <laughs> There's a place for you to serve. Maybe, maybe you can serve in the cafe. How many of you ate a donut before you came in here today? Come on, be honest. Did you meet Carol? Carol was in there serving today. I tell you what, Carol's in the cafe serving just about every week because she sees the need. But let me tell you this, Carol would love to share the joy of serving in the cafe with many, many, many more. Let me tell you something I dream of seeing at our church, at our campus. I would love to see a whole group of people greeting and welcoming and waving to those who drive onto our property as they pull into the parking lot. Did you know we have a whole parking lot ministry ready to go that we're just waiting for people to step into? And do. There's lots of places where you can serve alongside what God is doing here. I think one of the most rewarding places to serve in this church is with our kids. It's with our kids' ministry. Moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, young adults, teenagers. Man, there is a great need for you to love and care for the kids of River Valley Church. You know we had over 100 kids here last week? While we're up here worshiping God, there's a hundred kids downstairs. There's, man, nothing saddens, saddens me more on a Sunday morning when we have to close a class because we don't have somebody working in it. Wow. I don't like that. Not especially when I know that there are so many people that could step in and that could serve, that would just be blessed and so rewarded by loving on our kids. How about leading a life group? How about inviting somebody to Alpha? What if your whole life group came to Alpha together? Man, what if you invited somebody? Let me, let me share with you an incredible statistic. Are you ready for this? 100% of the people that you do not invite to Alpha won't come. It's amazing, isn't it? I wonder, how, I wonder how many, I wonder what percentage would come if you did invite them. I wonder what percentage would come if you offered to come with them. 
Man, people find Jesus in Alpha. People give their heart to the Lord in Alpha. People find hope and healing in Alpha. But God isn't just at work inside the church. I love that God is working in our church, but did you know that God is working everywhere? Did you know that God is at work? God is at work in our city. God is at work in our schools, in our businesses, in our factories. God is at work in our homes and in our neighborhoods. And I think we'll see it if we take time to look. What what could going, what could serving outside of this church, what could it look like? What if you brought your family or what if you brought your life group the first Saturday morning of every month to Jesus Food that is located over in Faribault West Mall at 10 o'clock. They have an opportunity the first Saturday of every month for you to go and for you to pack meals that are gonna be shipped to starving kids somewhere in the world. I mean, how incredible is that? It happens every month. That's a place you could serve. What if you offered to volunteer to serve at the community food shelf or at St. Vincent's? What if you offered to, your group or you as an individual offered to join the group of people who serve a meal, prepare and serve a meal at Roos House once a month? What could it look like for us to go and to make a difference in this community? What if you got involved in helping teach a Somali family English through the Somali adult literacy training program that we partner with here in this city? Maybe you didn't even know we were doing that. Maybe the first step for you in doing that is joining our Bridges class on Wednesday, gaining some confidence, and then stepping out and helping teach a Somali family English. If you weren't aware that these opportunities were there, now you are. There are so many opportunities to see where God is at work and where we can step in and join what God is doing. Let me give you a couple more ideas. There's somebody in our church who shared with me just the other day, they felt prompted to pay for someone's gas at the gas station. (laughs) How easy is that? To pay for someone's gas at the gas station. You'd think it was no big thing, but that moment turned into this incredible moment of gratitude and blessing with tears and hugs, and it made their day. What if you did that? What What if you bought someone's coffee? What if you went through the drive-thru at McDonald's and just told the people, I'm gonna pay for the people behind me, just tell them God loves them. It's simple things that we can do to make a difference. Maybe you have a skill. Maybe you have a trade. Maybe you can use that to help a widow or somebody in need. Maybe you have resources that you can help somebody in crisis get back on their feet. Church, I want to challenge us. Look for where God is at work and join him. I think that you will be amazed at what can happen. But let me say this. God's not asking us to do something that we can't do. God is not asking us to do something we can't do. What God is saying is do what you can do. Do what you can do. Look at the Samaritan. The Samaritan saw the need and he did what he could do. He bandaged the traveler's wounds. He took him to a place where he could get well. And he had the means, the resources to pay for that. You know, even if he didn't have the resources to do that, I think he still would have done something. He would have because the Bible says that he had compassion. He had compassion for that traveler. When we move out with compassion, when we're motivated by love, when we recognize the calling that God has given us and we believe that we can make a difference, church, I believe that we will. 
And I don't know about the priest and the temple servant, those other guys that passed by and did nothing. I guess I, I can't be too hard on them because I have to stop and think, how many times have I probably missed opportunities to serve? How many times have I missed the need because I was too busy or I was too self-centered? Or maybe it was inconvenient. How many of you know that serving will cost you something? It will. I'm not going to tell you it won't. Serving will cost you something. It will cost you time. It will cost you effort. But I can tell you this, the rewards for serving far outweigh the cost. I don't know the reasons why these guys didn't stop by, didn't do anything, but here's what I do know. If I were one of the travelers in this story and I came across this scene, if Jesus was telling this story and I was one of the characters, I would want to be remembered as being someone who stopped and did something. I don't want to be remembered forever as one of the many that passed by and did nothing. As we get ready to close the message today, I want you to stop and think about something. Just imagine something with me for a minute. There's going to be probably over 400 people that are in, in attendance here at River Valley Church Faribault Campus today. About 400, 400 people in church today. And I want you to think about this. Some of us live in Faribault. Others, Owatonna, Northfield, Medford, Kenyon, maybe some of the other surrounding communities. What could happen in this part of Minnesota if 400 good Samaritans walked out of church today and decided to look for where God was at work? What could happen if 400 people walked out of church today determined to see where God was at work and were just as determined to step in and join God and to serve with a heart of love and compassion in whatever way they were able to serve? What could happen? What if, what if 400 people filled with the love of God used their time and their abilities and their resources and were determined in this community to be givers, not takers? I mean, think about it. What if 400 followers of Jesus would start walking the streets and the sidewalks of our city and would be seeking God for its leaders and for its citizens, would be calling out to God for his kingdom to come in our city? What if we walked our streets and just prayed for our neighbors? What could happen? Can I tell you what I believe will happen? Can I tell you that? Are you with me? I'll tell you what I believe would happen. I believe our community would notice. I believe people would notice. I believe there'd be a buzz around this community. People would be asking, what in the world is going on at River Valley Church? Everywhere I go, I see someone from River Valley Church doing something to help somebody else. I mean, people would notice. I believe that the, the spiritual climate in this city would begin to change. I believe that, that 
chains would fall off of people's lives. I believe that people would come to Jesus like we've never, ever seen before. I believe that we would see family members and coworkers, people that are far, far from God, people that we never thought would come and find Jesus. They would come and they would melt in God's presence and they would surrender their life to Jesus. I believe that it would happen. I believe that we would see prodigal kids come home. I believe that we would see families that have been torn apart, restored. Church, I believe that. I believe that lives would be healed. I believe that eyes would be opened. I believe that Christ would be revealed in our church and in our city like never, ever before. And I believe that we would see a move of God in this city that would bring blessing, that would bring hope to our cities and to our communities. Church, I believe it. I believe this can happen. And I believe it will happen and I believe that it starts with you and with me.